Hi, everybody. I'm Kathy Littleton. I'm Charity Harvick. And I'm Laura Aldridge. We're three school librarians. Talking tech, books, and everything and anything libraries. Welcome to the Tech Plus Books Pod. Podcast PDNC. Where it's not sit and get, it's listen and launch. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. very excited. This is our very first ever crossover episode. We have a crossover between podcast PDNC and Tech Plus Books podcast. All kinds of North Carolina brains coming together to talk a little bit about education, technology, and maybe some books because let's let's be real. We have six people that are going to be on this podcast. You're going to hear it on two different podcast outlets. So just be on the lookout for that. But I want to go through and make sure that everybody gets to hear from all of us. So you hear our voices since it's a little different that you're coming through on a podcast. But some of our voices may be familiar if you log into one or the other on a regular basis, if you're a subscriber to one of these two podcasts or maybe both. Quick introduction, I am Molly Holloman. I am the Innovative Learning Catalyst in the East for the Division of Digital Teaching and Learning, and I'm also still connected to the Dare County Library Squad. Chris? So I'm Chris Benick. I am the ILC for the central part of the state. I'm based in Wilson, North Carolina. I am just blessed and happy to be here working with all of y'all. And I am Stacy Lovedahl. I'm the Innovative Learning Catalyst on the western side of the state. And again, very excited to be here with these six people on the screen to talk about tech and integrating it into all of our various school situations. Hey, I'm Laura Aldridge. I'm the school librarian at Durant Road Middle School in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm one of the podcast hosts for Tech Plus Books. And so I'm going to send it over to Kathy. I am Kathy Littleton. I am the librarian and STEAM coach at Butner STEM Middle School in Granville County. My name is Charity Harbeck, and I am the librarian digital literacy coach at Franklinton High School in Franklinton, North Carolina, and uh, formerly from Maryland and before that, California. Well, I'm excited. I am a frequent listener to Tech Plus Books podcast. I get to hear these ladies in my ears many times while I'm walking. So it's fun to have their faces on my screen right now and again to blend these ideas. So we reached out and said, what if we did something like this? Like, what would this conversation look like? And what kind of topics would we want to talk about? And what we came up with was thinking about what does it mean to bring innovation into our positions that we currently have and into our schools and the educators and students we work with. Charity, you had some really good thoughts about this. So I'm going to pass it off to you to, to kick us off in thinking about innovation and, and where do we even start with innovation? 
Well, you made me think of my beginning as a media specialist in Maryland where I was doing elementary and uh, tech was just kind of starting to make inroads into two schools. There were no ITFs or anything. So I was the librarian de facto ITF and I would just experiment with the kids in the library, integrating technology, doing whatever. And then uh, teachers maybe help them with similar extended activities in the classroom. But now I think this innovation comes from all directions, but it's still experimenting and we should still be expecting to learn and make mistakes all along the way and not and not be afraid to fail, as they say. Did you have more you wanted to add to that, Molly? When I think back on my position as a librarian at Mantua Elementary School, I saw that innovation took early adopters. So innovation was not a wide sweeping, the entire school suddenly shifts, right? It takes a few teachers a group of students and people that are willing to work together and make that happen. Like Charity just said, willing to try something new and willing to fail and learn from that and take the next iteration. A lot of my experience with innovative practices in in my position has been working with those few people who are willing to go on that journey. And then ultimately kind of ripple effect, right? Then you get more people who buy in because they see the success. It starts with maybe innovators, and then you want those innovators to go out and share it with people who are a little bit less hesitant. What you just said about those early adopters really strikes home with me because when I was flipping my classroom in middle school, one of the only teachers really at that time, at least it was way back when, um, using video and the flipped classroom idea One of the things that someone told me, and honestly, I cannot give um, proper attribution at this point, but they said, it's okay. I, I had said to them, sometimes I'd rather ask forgiveness than permission thinking, you know, that's a good thing. Just forge on ahead and 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 do this because it's making a, a positive difference for your students. And this person said to me, you know, that's all well and good, but if you really want to make change, then you have to somehow get it out of your classroom and to into the rest of the team or the school or the district and and have that wider effect. And so I've always had that in the back of my mind is to try to identify and see innovations that a lot of times do start with that one that one lone dancer, right? If you've seen that video, but get them and kind of amplify that and get that to have a bigger effect. I know which video you're talking about. We need to be the second dancer. You need that second dancer to make that that jump. Exactly. So kind of circling back to what you guys are talking about, you know, one of the things that I have seen in my time as an ITF and in this position is, is truly that idea of just like Charity said, not being afraid to fail. And we talk about that and failing forward and all those kind of things. But being enthusiastic about it, I think, has helped me a lot of times. And I always start out with that idea that if we're sitting still, if we keep doing the same thing that we're doing, then somebody else is moving forward. So technically, we're moving backwards. Like that just comes from my football coaching days. That's what I tell the guys on the practice field all the time. If you're not working to get better, then you're actually going backwards. You're going to try new things and you're going to hit those speed bumps, as we like to call them. But that innovation comes from getting that group of people who who's going to be that first dancer and then that second dancer. The only thing that I've ever really you know witnessed and would caution against would be, you know, some of those teachers and people who want to try everything, but they want to try everything once. We've got to find it and be intentional about what is going to fit in the best in whatever situation we're working in so that we're you know, really showcasing how the technology can help instead of it just being for show, right? 
because I think that's a lot of the buy-in too, is, is some teachers think it's all for show. We take all those things, the idea of not being afraid to fail, being enthusiastic with it and really finding those leaders, then that's how we see it grow. In my role as a, a librarian, I really focus on that curation aspect. You know, it's not just about bringing in these new tools and bringing in all this new technology. For me, it's about bringing it in and I automatically jump to, well, you know, how can this work with the content? Like, how can I align this tool or this activity with something that directly aligns with the standards and is going to support the content? I've found with teachers, they're a lot more willing to take that risk if you can come to them and say, you know, I've got this new thing and it's really cool and the kids are going to love it. It's going to be awesome. But it's also going to help you with standard 4.3 in ELA. That's really where I feel like librarians, we're all about curation. We're all about finding the the best tools, the best resources, and putting them all together to align with the, the content and the curriculum. I love that you said that, Kathy, because one of the, as an ITF, a lot of times I would have the opposite problem is there would be some shiny new tech tool that would be out there. And the thing that comes to mind right away are the virtual reality goggles. Teachers would come to us and we would drag them into the building and unload them and and talk to them about what they wanted to do. And a lot of times it was fun Friday you know, reeling that back a little bit, it would be, okay, well, we can have fun, but let's talk about what standards we can align to it. Do you want to take a virtual tour of the solar system? Because that ties in with your science standards or, you know, all of those kinds of things. So it is, it's a balance. You kind of really listen to what your teachers are approaching it as, and then try to align it and bring them along to, you know, really integrating it in in a real complete way. So that kind of takes me to the idea of of what I really like about my job is the opportunity to co-teach, co-plan, work with teachers and work with students. And and I would assume that you guys as media specialists would feel the same way when you get that opportunity to really be seen as more than just a a fun place to go, but be seen as a resource that, that helps push the curriculum along and engages the students and helps the teachers out. So it's, it's truly teamwork. Like that's when I enjoy it the most, when it's not the idea that, that the kids are being dropped off, right. For whatever activity it is, but that you're actually in there working together and getting stuff done. Those have been the most beneficial lessons to me. Laura said before we started recording is it's important for us to be seen as those coaches and those co-planners. A lot of times when I plan with teachers, I'll plan an activity for their students, not for them, but I love to work with them because it often evolves into also being PD for the teacher, especially when I'm trying to show how to use NCY's OWL resources or how to use, we have a subscription to Sora, which is a digital book app and things like that. And so, you know, teachers are super busy and offering them one more PD is like, yeah, no, thank you. But you offer, hey, let me teach this to your students. And they're like, sure. And you go in there and teach it to the students and end up teaching it to them too. So it's a good thing. What were you going to say, Laura? 
I was just going to say a lot of what we've been talking about uh, with innovation, it starts with relationships. And I think that we, we've talked about starting small, starting with one person in your building. In our roles, we work and support everybody in the building. We support students and we support staff. I don't think that teachers, as they're going through instruction to become a teacher, when they are pre-service teachers, I don't think that there's enough that they're made aware of, of what is an ITF? What can they do for me? How is the librarian going to help my students if I'm a science teacher? And so I think that we have specialties and we can certainly do this, but building that relationship has to, to start the whole process of innovation and really transforming learning starts with the relationships. Back to kind of what Stacy was saying with the VR headsets is something just like a light bulb moment went off. That's exactly how it started. I had to yield to the idea that for some teachers, it was just going to be a, a fun Friday thing, but eventually it led to those teachers were creating their own virtual field trips in poly with 360 photos they were using eventually, right? It took time to get them there. But like Laura just said too, that it was the relationship building that by bringing, and I think Charity mentioned this too, about bringing them in, it was not just one more PD. It was come into the library with your kids, do this on a Friday, we'll have fun on a virtual field trip. And then the conversation sparked of, okay, so if you're teaching biomes in your fifth grade science class, how can this help you with that? How can kids be immersed in the experience? And, um, and that's exactly what I'm thinking of. It ultimately went down the path of that teacher creating her own virtual field trip because she couldn't find one. So it was about building that relationship with that teacher, taking that innovation, connecting it to the purpose of the standard, and it grew from there. This conversation is kind of headed down a path of we all have things that we've experienced and it does start with that one teacher, that one need, and we find some way that together we can fill it. And a lot of times students can help with that too. That's one of the things I love about being in the library is that I do work with the students, but I also coach teachers. So I I kind of get this um, big picture perspective sometimes that that other people in the building just don't have the opportunity to see. And so at, at the elementary level, when I was on a fixed schedule, I would do sometimes like centers and things to introduce new tools and all. But what I loved was when students would go back to their class excited about it and tell their teacher about it. And then their teacher would come and ask what we did. Never underestimate the importance of student enthusiasm in breaking through to some of those teachers who are less willing to try new things. Um, I want to pull Stacy in. There's the story that comes to mind. I'm going to I'm going to kick it over to you because this is something that, that makes me think of the very first time that I saw you. This was before we worked together for the road show and you were running around a conference room wearing a superhero cape. And I didn't know what it was about and I didn't know who you were, or what kind of, you know, but I just knew you had a lot of energy and you like exuded this feeling of we're not here to sit in a room together and look at each other across the table. We're here to actually do things. 
with what was just shared about this idea that it takes those few special people to move beyond the way that it's always been done. I think of this story about Walt Disney and that when things were going exceptionally well in the animation studio and they were putting out movie after movie after movie, he stepped away and said, we need to do something different. So like these teachers who are afraid to step away because it's like, well, my scores are really great. My kids are passing. Why should I change? Why should I do anything different? And Walt Disney was in that situation and walked away and said, we got to do something different and took all of his time and energy and created Disneyland and look at how the world changed after that, you know? And I think sometimes that's what it takes is that mindset of being like, you know what, PD works the way that it is, but how can we bring more energy and more action? And that's where I'm passing it over to you, Stacey, because that's just, I made that connection that you are always very willing to take people on a new adventure, a new journey. Well, first of all, I have that cape. It's right over there. And I can't wait to like take it actually out of my house when they finally let me out of my house to do face-to-face PD again, right? (sighs) Anyways, to your point though, one of the things that I used to say all the time is that the teachers who are getting great scores are the perfect teachers to try new things because they know their pedagogy, they know their standards, they know how to teach whatever group of kids is in front of them, whether it's elementary or middle or high or whatever. And they they know that if they're doing well and they're solid in all those things, then you don't have to worry about, you know, a teacher who's coming to you with a little bit of a less firm footing in all of those really solid, good teaching parameters, standard four really, you can then take that and say, okay, well, this is how you could use technology to make it even better, even more powerful, or, you know, reach more children in your classroom than maybe what you're currently reaching. So uh, I think that's a, a really good point about taking people who are, you know, maybe feeling a little bit comfortable because it ain't broke. And, and the fix it part of it is that you don't even know how much better it could be until you maybe come over here and, and we can, we can experiment with some of that and it won't mess up all of that solid, good teaching that you're already doing. I think in the library world, I love working with teachers who don't have standardized state testing because they don't feel beholden to that and they will be more experimental. A lot of social studies teachers in the middle school will um, collaborate. I love working with our special ed classes for that same reason, because I feel like the pressure for students to perform is taken off. And then you can see that the students are learning. They are learning from these new ways and that you're approaching the lesson. You see students who have maybe been cast aside as the low flyers and the ones who are going to make ones and twos and we can't really do anything and we can't move them. And they get to be celebrated as a part of the change that's happening of they can recall what they learned from that story and they can demonstrate mastery of understanding with a certain tool. And haven't you found that then once you do that, that then you get a lot of those educators, a lot of those teachers who are a little held back by, say, an EOG or a test or, or 
something like that, then they see that happening and they're well, well, maybe we can give that a try just a little bit. We can try that just a little bit because that's working. Maybe on a fun Friday. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, but at least you're getting them in the door, right? I was a Spanish teacher. So I was that person who wasn't beholden to a test. So that, you know, was probably a lot of the reason, yes, why I was willing to to jump out of the comfort zone. But then I would be, I would be an ambassador for that within the building. Well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And as an ITF, I would do the same thing. Well, look, look at what so-and-so is doing and then let's try it with you. I had a lot of success with that with like CTE classes because they're very regimented. Boom, 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 boom down the line. But by showing them results from some of the classes that maybe weren't so regimented, I found it then, you know, you're never going to get buy in from 100 percent of the people. Right. But that's the goal. So I would get buy in from a lot at least and then have return customers. So I viewed that as a success. Before we wrap up this conversation, I want to go back to where Laura started in discussing how important relationships are and how important it is for educators to know how to work with these various professionals in your building and what it means to collaborate and innovate with somebody like an ITF, a librarian, and a coach. Charity, what would you say is an important thing for either a new person in your building or a pre-service teacher to know about working with you? Well, going back to when I have the teachers bring their classes in either virtually or in person, when I'm doing lessons with the students that I might be showing them something they've never seen before. So it's kind of like embedded coaching or embedded PD right there, sort of like when we used to have embedded journalists in wars when they went out with the army troops, although this is not exactly the same thing. I'm just using the embedded word. Uh, It just means that they're coming in with the same thing and it's all embedded in one package. It's like on the job training, basically, is what you're saying. It's real life, real time, real world PD. Yeah. It's nothing extra that you have to do on your own time that somebody's telling you have to come and learn. They just, it just kind of happens. One of the cool things about that is you learn by doing. So, you know, maybe instead of sitting through that PD and watch it and it happen, and and maybe even instead of sitting in a PD and coming up with a, a theoretical lesson or project by actually doing it, seeing the results, making those adjustments as you go along, they're learning it better and they, and they get a better idea of how to use and how they can use whatever it is you're showing them moving forward. And teachers are always asking in PD, what does this look like with students? I, I get what you're telling me. I'm really enjoying this. But when I do with this with 13-year-olds, what's it going to look like? And so that's an opportunity to just go ahead. It's all out there. This is what it looks like with students. And I guess I'll just go ahead and jump in with what I would like new teachers or new people to my building to know. First of all, is that I am not there to evaluate. When I am working with you, I have no power over you. <laughs> and, um, and that I'm there to support and take things off your plate. I want to co-teach with you so that two of us are in there together and you're not having to do all the planning and all the pooling of resources and all the teaching. I think that would be the most important thing is that I'm there for support and I'm there to take things off your plate to make your life easier. What I would want people to know is is exactly that, that I'm here to support you. 
I'm here to kind of be that middleman too. I'm going to try to find some things and I'm going to be able to take the time to go through those resources and really, you know, dig into them a little bit so that I can be your co-teacher and show you how to use them, but I can show you in real time, right? One of the things that I would always say to teachers, be new teachers or or new people in the building is, is the idea that it's okay. We're never done. We're never done learning. Like we're always learning. When we try it, it may not be perfect, but that's okay, right? Because as long as we're getting to an end and there's a purpose, then it's going to get better every time. You know, we'll always come up with something new and and use me, work with me and allow me to work with you to help you find those new things and to work through the wrinkles and those kind of things. And then going back to charity at the beginning, don't be afraid to fail. It's okay. It's all right. And we hear that all the time, but it's just one of those things that a lot of people still have a problem with. It's okay to not be the expert. I'm not an expert, so I'm good with that. I hope that teachers, whether they are new to the profession or new to a building or a district, will ask questions and to not struggle alone. This year, if anything, has taught us that isolation, it can be a huge hurdle to get over. Nobody should do this alone. To strengthen your craft as a teacher, you are going to observe, you're going to collaborate, you're going to work with other people. And I think I, you know, always welcome somebody stopping and asking a question. And I feel like teachers always start with, oh, I know you're busy. Do you have a moment? Of course I do. I am here for you to support you with that. And I think sometimes they're like, I know that this isn't really your area that I feel like they always clarify some of that, those questions, but um, absolutely. I want to, to help you. And if, if I don't know the answer as a librarian, then I want to help you find that answer just to, to save yourself some time. I just know that um, as a new teacher, I spent hours and hours planning. And if I had just reached out to somebody else in, in the building, it would have <laughs> saved my sanity and given me some a few more hours of sleep. And I could have approached things much better. I'm here for them. And I welcome all questions, even if it's something like, can you fix this Chromebook or whatever. No, that's actually not my job, but I will help you and teach you how to put in a ticket. Laura, I just want to say we did not meet up before this. We didn't have a secret conversation on the side or anything, but that is exactly what what I would hope that whether you're a beginning teacher or um, a veteran teacher and anything in between would know is that you're not alone. This year, it, it feels I've not you know left my home office in 360 million days, so it may feel that way. But the I think even back before coronavirus, it took me a really long time to reach out and connect with people who could help with flipping the classroom when that was a new idea. And I I go back to that example all the time, because that's really when the light bulb turned on for me, that there were people on Twitter that would, they, they would actually tweet you back. You know, if you asked a question that it was actually a community of educators who were there to support and and share resources and do all of that. So whether it's external, like a, uh, you know, a social media group 
or if it's your team or your ITF or your media coordinator in your building or in your district, there are people out there who are more than willing to research, to share resources, to co-teach, to be embedded in your classroom, even though it's not actually a war zone, and uh, and do things with you and it go more smoothly and let you focus on what you know as a teacher that you know the good pedagogy and how to teach those those little faces that are staring back at you. So for mine, I'm going to give Kathy a little bit of credit again for that context of the big picture. I think all of us work in a position where whether it's ITF, coach, librarian, or ILC, we have this really big picture perspective. And I think that's what we bring to these conversations um, and collaborations around innovation. So just remembering that if it's a classroom teacher and you're going to work with one of these support staff people that you know, we're bringing a big picture mindset to your classroom mindset and that there's things that we can learn from each other. And again, as a librarian, I saw K-5, I worked with librarians across the state. So um, when I say big picture, I was thinking, what can we do with these first graders that might have some impact when they get to fifth grade? whether it's just introducing them to Google Docs, for example. So when they're in fifth grade, they've seen it, they've experienced it, and and they can build upon that competency. But I think that learning goes both ways, that there was a lot of times where teachers would come into the library to do something with me in collaboration, and I would learn how they work with a specific student that maybe I hadn't connected with. And maybe they had some strategy that they could share with me that would make more success for future work with those students. So again, it's it's a two-way street. And that as much as we're sitting here talking about doing innovative things and come work with us, that we always have that learner mindset of wanting to learn something from our classroom teachers, that we know that they're content experts. We know that they are experts of the kids that they're working with all year. So we want to take their strengths and, and bring it to work with ours. So one of my favorite things about the Tech Plus Books podcast is that there's always these really good recommendations that come at the end. I'm going to pass it over to you to talk about what this last segment is going to be like. Sure, sure. We usually have our guests provide either a tech recommendation or a book recommendation that they would like. I think that um, Molly was thinking about our theme about innovation, but it does not have to be that way. So Chris, Stacy, if you have any tech ideas, a recommendation or a book recommendation, if you're a reader that you would like to share. I, I am going to make a recommendation. It's something that I've used in the past pretty frequently with a lot of teachers I worked with when you were talking about social studies teachers earlier. I've used this with a lot of social studies teachers. And then the other day I heard it come up in a training and I hadn't thought about it in a while. And that's the idea of using FlipSnack. I don't know if you guys are familiar with FlipSnack or not, but it's a website you can go to and you can actually take and change a slide deck. So be it a Google slide presentation or or PowerPoint, you can take it and you can turn it into an ebook. It can be an interactive ebook that you can then use to share. It gives it to you in a link and those kind of things. And so what we've done, the free version of it, I think it lets you do like three books at 15 pages a piece or something like that. But we set it up in in a couple of different classes where they actually change the the page settings and those kind of things to make it 
imitate a book or a magazine. So we changed it to eight and a half by 11. And, you know, we did fronts and backs and those kind of things. We changed the type of paper that was being used. And, you know, we talked about fair use and we talked about creative commons when we were using images and links and those kind of things. And so one way to have students put information together, um, be it for a portfolio or some sort of formative assessment or something like that, or to, you know, just, just create something to show what they've learned, uh, I would recommend that because it's 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 as simple as creating the slide deck, saving it as a PDF, and then just dropping it right in there. So if you're not familiar with that, it's not new. Don't email me and tell me you already know about it. But if you're not familiar with it, FlipSnack is an awesome resource. Oh, Chris, don't worry. Most of our recommendations are not new, <laughs> but a lot of times it's it's what you just said is we're reminded about something that we were introduced to a long time ago and hearing it again will inspire a new project or a new idea or a new teacher that you want to to expose that to because they probably haven't heard of it either and flip snack is new for me so thank you all right and i always have to remember that i'm kind of like in deep in the world of ed tech and so sometimes i forget that something I may have known about for a while is actually new to a lot of people. I do that with books too. I think, oh, everybody knows about this book. You're like, "Hmm, no, just me. Okay. So I am going to jump in and share. Now this book also is not new, but I'm revisiting it actually recently because I've been asked to do some STEM training for a district. They want three days of it, three mornings. The original ask was use the words inquiry-based learning. And so you're researching into that phrase and where does that stand now and how has it changed and how do we do that in the classroom and, you know, in all the various places where kids could do it. So one of the books that I read a while ago that I've kind of gotten back out of my shelf is called Launch from John Spencer and A.J. Giuliani. Yes, there it is. And again, um, but uh, it's a really good, easy to read book that makes the design thinking process more accessible. And, and when we talked about earlier, when teachers want to know, well, what does that look like in a classroom? I feel like it kind of bridges that gap a little bit and helps people figure out how they could actually do um, the design thinking or the or inquiry-based learning in their classrooms. So that is, that's my share. That's such a good share. I love it. It lives on my shelf because I find I go back to it very frequently. So I did, I'll be very honest and say that I thought of this literally. And just again, thinking about if I were digging into this idea of innovation, what would I recommend to somebody to read next? So um, my number one tip would be to read outside ed tech innovation. So yes, Kathy, there's so many good things out there, right? And I've read a lot of them, but I try to push a little bit further. So that Walt Disney story, um, for example, came from nothing to do with ed tech. So some recent reads that I thought of that I would recommend to people that are looking to dig in and expand their definition of innovation would be the book Stretch by Scott Sonenshine. And that's actually what I'm currently reading. I'm almost done with it. And then another one for that confidence is called Brave Not Perfect by Reshma Sujani. She's the one who created Girls Who Code. 
fantastic book. I will tell you it's for adults. It is written to kind of help build confidence in young ladies, but it's written for adults, but I really love that one. And then if you need an education focused one, I highly recommend Creating Innovators by Tony Wagner. So those are my recommendations. Okay, you want you want some some Tech Plus books recommendations yeah. too? Yeah. I'll try to keep it brief since I put three in there. I don't usually do that. It's usually one. So the first one I um, am listening to right now, and it is Permanent Record. It's, and there you can see I'm reading it on, listening to on Libby. That's what I always do. It's about Edward Snowden. Remember he sold information, he's like a traitor or a spy, sort of. And depending on if you think that the government, the work he was doing was uh, for the American people or the government. But uh, anyway, I'm enjoying it because it's got all sorts of tech stuff in it because he's a tech geek. So I'm enjoying that, although I do find that he's a little bit um, unaware of his privilege. You know, he's a very, he was a very, you know, he's a middle class, but he was, there was a lot of things about him come, growing up that made him privileged to get into that field. But more important, my favorite one of the three I'm going to talk about is Blood Water Paint by Joy McCullough. And it's a novel in verse. And it's about Artemisia Gentileschi. She's a famous painter from Florence in the 1600s. And it's really kind of biographical and talk about struggles and talk, you know, talks about education because it's all about her learning how to paint properly and the struggles she had to do. Um, but it's super, super powerful. If you don't know who she is as an artist, look it up. For those of you who are not Tech Plus books, I'm a huge audiobooks fan. And so the reader of that book was really good. And that really matters in audiobooks. And the last one, because I am a librarian in high school, it's kind of important, important to do a high school book. And that's The Poet X. It's a YA book, also a novel in verse, and also a really good author. And it made me actually write my own little novel, like my own little verse section, which I used to do when I was in high school, sort of poetry, freelance poetry, but, you know, I haven't done in mm, 40 years or something like that, <laughs> but it made me write one just because I was so inspired by the way she was writing her story. So anyway, I recommend all three of them. I'm currently reading Starfish, middle grade book, Lisa Phipps, about bullying and this amazing girl who kind of takes it into her own hands, the bullying that she's dealing with, both at home and at school. Excellent. Just came out in February. And I'm also reading this. This is not new, but I'm reading The Art of Coaching by Elena Aguilar. And it is lots of good tips. And it's been very helpful to me in my new position. All right, I will give a really, really quick tech extension that I have played around with this year, and it is IORAD, that's I-O-R-A-D, and you can build uh, tutorials with it, and it kind of will take screenshots of a process if you're trying to show students how to do something on the computer and you don't want to make maybe a video, a screencast video. I was getting a little tired of doing screencast videos and making sure that my face looked good in the webcam. So the IORAD, it follows the path of your cursor. 
The other thing that I like about it is you can add uh, text to the steps and you can add a voiceover if you wanted to. So it gives you the extension or the embed code. Thank you. <laughs> you can put um, the embed code into like a website or you can just share it with people through email. And I am currently reading The Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully and loving it. So good. Um, an Ojibwe kind of thriller. And I don't do scary, but it is just really good. I thought it was just going to be like a hockey romance book. It's it's blowing my mind. <laughs> I heard that one was a little intense, so you may have to tell me at the end, but I have it on my list as I have starfish on my list. So, all right. Well, this was a whole lot of fun. Um, Probably more fun than six people should be having when they're pretending to be doing work things. It's everything I hope for and more in the conversation. And I appreciate everything that you share on your podcast, but then coming over and having this joint conversation has been fantastic. We certainly appreciate listening to both of the ILC podcasts, the podcast PDNC and Moments of Inspiration. We have enjoyed the guests that you have on there and the topics that you guys have talked about. So thank you guys for starting your podcast as well. Thank you guys for being willing to do this with us. I think we should do it more. It is a lot of fun. Sprinkles of professionalism. That's right. That's what we're trying to do. We'll we'll sprinkle it in there as much as we can. At the end of each episode, Podcast PDNC signs off with a challenge. Since Podcast PDNC isn't sit and get, but rather listen and launch, the episode's challenge is intended to ignite some change in your practice. This isn't homework. No one will check for participation or give you a grade. For our crossover episode, Tech Plus Books decided to issue a challenge as well. We encourage you to check out one of the episodes for Podcast PDNC. They've hosted so many guests in a variety of roles to discuss social-emotional learning, digital learning, equity, and more. Share an episode with a colleague in your building or district and spark a fresh collaboration. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit our website at techplusbookspod.net. There you'll find complete show notes, our social media accounts, and ways you can respond to something we've said here or contribute to a future episode. We love hearing from librarians and educators. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or following our podcast on your preferred listening platform, leaving a review, or sharing our podcast with a friend or colleague. The music for Tech Plus Books Pod is Lord Weasel by Blue Dot Sessions, available at Free Music Archive under Creative Commons license. Just a friendly reminder, all opinions are our own.